Beautiful soul, have you ever wanted to speak to angels? Do you believe angels can support you in your daily life? If this is you, go to my website homepage, theangelmedium.com and sign up for my weekly angel message email. As a gift for signing up, I'm giving you access to free resources, including 31 healing meditations that if you do daily are going to help you hear your angels and your own intuition more clearly. Start using these today and you'll see changes in 31 days. Now, take a deep breath. Feel the presence of your angels as they fill you with love, joy, peace, bliss, and ease. And remember, your angels say the messages that resonate with you in today's episode are meant just for you. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And today we're having on Judy Wilkins-Smith. You might know her as the author of Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, which Goodreads, um, that book just came out this summer, and Goodreads says it is the book of the summer to read. Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint is a powerful guide to transformation through detangling multi-generational patterns. Judy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. It's lovely to be with you. Oh, wonderful. So I want to talk to you about this because you and I, I've done a lot of work. I've got a course on multi-generational, I call it ancestral trauma and inner child work because as I see it, the two are very, very much entangled together. Right. But you've been working on this for a long time. Kind of share your background with folks about how you got into this particular topic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was it was strange. So my background is actually healthcare, not this. And when I moved from South Africa, we moved over to Thailand. My father was killed and he was killed in a hospital and they failed him in all three areas that were specialties for me. And it was like that was the door closed. And um, so I started writing books and I was looking for a piece of information and it led me to this. And I think it just kind of took itself from from there. I didn't look back. I then started coaching Fortune 500 companies because they said, if you could do it for individuals, can you do it for our leaders and can you do it for our companies? So that became the whole journey. And now I offer events around the world and I still coach Fortune 500 and Fortune 50 executives. So I heard it said recently that if you look at humanity, where humanity has been, where we are now, all these millions of years that we've been here, humanity is at a point of adolescence. And it resonated when I heard that so much because even as van- as advanced as we think we are, we're not, we're adolescents playing with big toys right now in the timeline of human consciousness. Multi-generational patterns, ancestral trauma, inner child work is not something that anybody escapes. We all have work to do in this arena right here, right now. I'm wondering if you could describe to our listeners how it shows up for people, what you see. Sure. So I think that the one piece to add to that is, um, yes, we have all of the traumas and yes, we have all of the multi-generational bits and no, we don't escape it. But what we keep not seeing is that these so-called traumas and these so-called multi-generational traumas are actually the patterns cascading through and they keep coming and showing up and now they're with you. And the reason for that is that is your pivot to transformation. It's there for a reason. You're the change agent. And so what you'll begin to notice is you're irritable, you're miserable, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, you're stuck, you know you could do better, but you're still doing that same thing. You know there's a bigger path for you and why aren't you on that path? All you've got to learn to do is look. When you know how to look, And you understand that the pattern coming through to you, as bad as it may be, 
is literally the gift waiting for you to turn it around into what it was supposed to be, life begins to change. You start to look at things very, very differently. Instead of seeing yourself as that poor victim or that poor person or the person who didn't get the opportunity, it's there. You've just got to have a look for it and turn it around. And then you begin to see, oh, so this was the purpose. This is the big life that I can have. Here's how I do it. So there are two ways to recognize that. The places where you're irritable, angry, miserable, stuck. That's usually the old pattern trying to stop. And it's telling you, hey, once upon a time, I was a solution for something. Right now, my use is over. I need to change. And your heart's desire is actually the pattern trying to start through you. When you look at the two, you'll actually see that the one is pushing for the other one to emerge. And the one that's emerging needs the one that got it there to be able to say, not like this, but like this. So each of them have their place with each other. Mm -hmm. So every time that we think we're being traumatized, we're really not. We're being pinged by the universe. It's saying, wake up. This is your destiny. You, you said, you know, we're a bunch of adolescents. Honestly and truly, Julie, if we were to just stop and look and say, here's the pattern, here's the pattern, here I go, we might actually get into early adulthood because it's not, and it's not that difficult. We make it that difficult. We grew up with a language of suffering and, and struggling and victim, but there's an, another whole half a language that is possibility, elevator, everything we can do. And, and it's right there and it's doable and it's in you and it's for you. Okay. So I want to talk about some of the major breakthroughs that you've seen people have. Sure. Um, obviously without giving any names or, or anything like that, where have people been stuck and where have they made major breakthroughs and how did they make those major breakthroughs? Okay. So the first thing that you need to know is all of the breakthroughs happen when people start to change the pattern, which means they start to change one thought, one feeling, one action at a time. Now, because of the work that I do, the constellations work, which I'll explain a little bit just now, it's a 3D process. You're literally standing in the middle of where you're stuck and seeing how you're stuck, why you're stuck, where it came from, and what's possible. And you start to rewire the brain and the body in the moment. So, so there's that piece, and it's really powerful. Where have I seen it? In all arenas. I've seen it in health, where people come in. I had one person who came in on two two walking sticks, um, quite an elderly person, really bit doddery, could hardly get to her seat, didn't speak much. We found out what was going on. It actually had to do with the walking sticks. The walking sticks figured directly into what was going on from her ancestral patterns. Her great-grandmother, no, her grandmother had been beaten with a stick by her great-grandmother. And then she, later on, had been beaten by her colleagues. It was, it was a mistake, but she'd been beaten, which is why she was where she was. Anyway, so we, we did the piece of work, and about six months later, in comes this young person, uh, about skinny young person. Now, bear in mind, the person who came was overweight, and she comes and she says, hi, everybody, and we don't have a clue who it is. And it's the same person. And once she'd seen what was in her system and she could switch it, she said to me, I couldn't feel the same, I couldn't think the same, I couldn't do the same. So we see it in help. In finances, I, I say often one day I'm going to get a percentage from all the millionaires that have walked through. Not millionaires, but they've then learned to see what is my financial DNA currently, what do I need it to be, and how do we make the switch. And when people do that, when I teach money DNA, People have very, very big shifts. Relationships. I've seen people go from not being able to keep a relationship to suddenly realizing it's not me who can't keep a relationship. It's my mother and her mother and her grandmother. And it started with great-grandmother. Oh, this isn't my pattern. And the minute she can see that and give it back and put it down, she's free to see a different pattern and do it very differently. So relationships, health, finances, leadership. I do a lot of coaching with leaders who 
um, are drivers. They're driving leaders. They push their people to do better. And then they come and they look at the work and they look at the system and they start doing their own work. And they realize that driving is actually a lower level leadership skill. But inspiring is a very different leadership skill. And it sits just at the opposite end. When they find out who they are and they really go for it and and they're happy with who they are, they start to inspire. And so it attracts people to come play at a higher level. So, yeah, leadership as well. It, It touches every area of your life. There isn't an area it doesn't touch. That's amazing. I love that. Um, Inspire versus drive, the difference between those two. That's just great. Talk to us about the constellations format that you've created more and exactly what that means. Okay. So this was actually created by Bert Hellinger many years ago. And um, what you do is you sit down with the issue and you identify the components of that issue. So maybe I struggle with relationships. Okay, tell me about your relationships. Well, I always leave them because I just know where they're going to wind up. Tell me about your mom. Well, mom struggled with hers. Tell me about your grandmother. She struggled with hers. What about dad? He's had the odd piece, but really it's here. What we'll do is we'll choose a representative for dad and one for mom and one for grandma and one maybe for great grandma and one for the client. And then I'll say to them, I want you to place them in the room the way that it is for you in spatial relationship to one another. So we can now see who's following whose pattern. Is it mom whose pattern you're following or does your representative turn towards dad? Now, people say to me, but how does a representative know to sense into that? It's not possible. Yeah, it is. Think about when you watch television and you see somebody get really badly hurt. What do you do? (gasps) And you cringe. And then you're standing watching The Voice or American Idol and you see somebody have this breakthrough moment and you've got goosebumps and and you're crying with them you've sensed into their system and we're very able to do that accurately so this was something that Bert Hellinger discovered and we use so what we do is we set up the system and then we explore it virtually and it allows me to ask questions like okay why is dad so far away well he was never engaged what happened to dad he never came back the same from the war And he'll keep looking out. Oh, so if we were to put someone there and maybe we put either the war or those who were killed or the ones he left behind, you'll actually see the representative move that way. So we know that's where that is. What happened to mom? Why does she look down? Well, there may be a guilt or she may have lost a child or lost someone and now she's drawn down, not up. So you begin to see all of the dynamics and the patterns in the system. And by using those, you can see where you're trapped and then see what you need to do differently. So maybe maybe mom couldn't get it together and be there for you. How are you for your children? I'm really kind of disengaged sometimes. Do you see that you're following mom's pattern? Yeah, I can see that. And then you'll have a a, a woman who says, for the first time, I can look at my daughter and I understand my mother. So the anger disappears and the, the frustration disappears and insight happens and compassion happens. And suddenly we're not trapped. And this is the one who goes, I get why mom couldn't be there, but I can. And the pattern starts to change. Friends, what if there was nothing stopping you from becoming abundant to the max in all things? Finances, time, nothing was holding you back from becoming your healthiest, happiest, most financially abundant self yet. Friends, thanks to our annual and monthly angel members, we've been able to grant over $100,000 in partial scholarships so that souls who want access to life-changing teachings in the angel membership have that opportunity. And we have more partial scholarships to give. Don't let your egoic mind tell you that you're not worthy because the angels and I are here telling you, you are worthy. This is your year, but I can't help you get where you're going if I'm not working with you in one of my programs. Become an angel member now. Go to theangelmedium.com, then the angel membership tab to sign up. If you need a scholarship, let us help you. 
Scroll to the bottom of the Angel Membership page and click the link for partial scholarship options. Links are in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you for coming together as a community. Thank you for contributing what you can each month. And thank you for helping us reach hundreds of deserving souls with life-changing teachings in the Angel Membership this year. This is going to be your best year yet. Do you think that we're here to break all of our generational patterns? Because, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go into this a little bit on a couple different levels. Sure. When you start doing ancestral trauma work and multi-generational pattern work, you start to see time in a different way too, where yes. one lifetime, I mean, when we're in the thick of it right now, you know, a day can feel like it seems like it drags on forever or an hour. But when you're doing this work, a hundred years begins to look very, very short, a very yes. short brief period of time. And you can see in people's life plans, uh, a lot of times spirit will show me like they're holding the baton and they're passing the baton. Like it's not able to get done in just one life plan, uh, lifetime. For example, um, my great grandmother used to do the work that I'm doing. She just did it in wow. church where the pastor came to her and he would have her run church when he wasn't there. Or um, he would have her lead Wednesday night church, was, which was always like two hours worth of what I call angel stories, like how God is working miracles in your life in order to inspire others to come home to their soul self. I want to go into this uh, to kind of like on a deeper level. I can see within my own life from very, very early on that there are many different patterns that I am working through in this lifetime. One of them being the relationship piece. And for that one, that's probably my strongest one that I feel empowered on within me where it was never a choice. I am not going in the direction of my parents. I am not dealing with this again. I am breaking this cycle. And I knew that really at age 10, 11, 12. Sure. And it, it's not even something that's hard for me because I was so decisive on it, right? And and I'm going to challenge, it was a choice. It was not never a choice. I know what you're saying, but it was a powerful choice. And what you're talking about is you made such a powerful choice that it went head, heart, gut. And so you had perfect alignment and the body went, yes. And when the brain can tell the body a story that it believes, that is the new truth and it will break it because you've built more weight on the side of change than on the side of repetition. And that is what you've just identified is super important in this work. Okay. So I love that because of that alignment, it was easier. There's other patterns that I am finding much more difficult to break. There is a lot of obesity that runs in my family, diabetes, type two that runs in my family. I've had different like vocal stuff come up, different things come up over the last year where I know without needing to be tested, I think I found it out too in my DNA report, but I I knew this before. I'm pre-diabetes, right? Right. So Food has always been such a huge comfort, just some background information too. If you look at my astrological chart and go into that, um, it talks about food being a comfort and a safety net and your brain can know. Okay. (laughs) The brain can know all at once. If the heart and the gut aren't involved, it can sit there and sing the hallelujah chorus. Right. So if you're not, if you don't have this alignment and flow within all of these different parts of yourself, how do you get to that point 
of alignment. Can we maybe do some work on this? Sure. So so for you, let's have a look at the food one. Yeah. So the food one is a comfort for you. Yes. Now, what's going to happen when you look at food and it's not a comfort because this is clearly a pattern. In the family, it's a comfort. So what you've got, first of all, is an unconscious loyalty, but a very strong one, to the family comfort. Now, what happens when you look at, at food and you begin to see it as an utter joy and source of incredible enjoyment in your life? And you go, okay, so I'm not going to just eat food the same way. I'm going to actually do things that are a little more expensive and a whole lot healthier, but I am going to love the food that I eat. So I'm going to make sure that I understand what's in that food. I'm going to become a foodie, but a really healthy foodie. And so in your family system, now suddenly you've got this whole, you know, like you had with the relationships and you go, well, good. I'm going to go and find out all about food. I want to know what is the best? Where do I find it? How does it nourish me? How does it keep me not just pre-diabetic, but really healthy? Because what you're at is you're, you're at a nexus. You're at the I know, but you haven't built up enough joy and weight in the idea of being that incredible foodie who loves food and does the expensive stuff. Because when we do it slightly more expensive, we don't just gobble, right? Yeah. We're really going to taste that food. If I'm paying that for you, I am tasting every mouthful. <laughs> so it's it's about building what is the adventure on the other side of it? What is your food adventure? Because you knew that with the relationships, you looked at mom and dad and went, a you know, and that was very quick and deep. Now, if, if you could do the same thing, which is look at the family and go, yeah, no, I really am going to be here for a long time and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to show people how food is joyful. Yes. You're going to switch it up. In fact, there is a lady who does it for, not this, but she does Disney. And you'll often find me sneaking Disney in because it's my favorite place on earth. But she started out as a bit of a foodie. And she goes around the whole year round. She's at Disney going, look what's here and look what foods you can find here. So food has become a joy. And it's become a source of great entertainment for her. She knows all the best places. Now, imagine you, when you become not the pre-diabetic person who may eat a little what you shouldn't every now and then, but you're so good at what you do and you so love your food and you're teaching family and friends and kids or whatever it is. Now you've got a whole different flavor. And if you get excited enough and you've got that elevated emotion of I'm capable I love this. I I am kind with what I cook. My food speaks about who I am. You're going to find you have a very different adventure. The other way it feels like a drudge. Yeah. This way it feels like an adventure. When it feels like a drudge, you're in a multi-generational pattern. When it's an adventure, you're stepping beyond that and writing the chapter that only you can write. And to answer your other question, uh, some patterns we don't step clear of during one lifetime, but if we're awake, we sure can. We can make seismic shifts in the patterns in the systems. We really can. What it requires is a shift from suffering, victim, sad, irritable to elevated, in love, excited by life. It's an adventure. And when everything is an adventure, Nothing is a train smash. I get that. I get that on a very deep level because it's energy. Everything's always energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. And if you have this just complete low vibration about something, it's not going to take you to that high vibe place. You have to really make a, a deeper shift. So yeah, the, the first one is is sort of at you, the lower one. It's that multi, multi-generational at you. You're familiar with it. It feels like the emotions are being done to you. But when you take the time every day to do a gratitude walk and you go out there and you go, I'm so grateful. And you can feel the joy. You will also feel the energy. And the minute you start radiating that energy, life changes. Let's, let's talk about this though. So 
So food has been a big thing. And I want to explain to my listeners too, I don't look at food and be like, I want to be a size six, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. And and I don't think that there's any one shape that we have to look, li- look like. I just Not don't want to have to be paying $800 for the diabetes medicine that my well, grandpa is it. Yeah, my what, grandma's what- paying. Exactly. What yeah. could you invest that eight hundred dollars in right. that would bring you great joy? Right. And and I want to feel my best. I mean, my grandmother can no longer get up and just go to the grocery store and walk around. She's in a lot of pain. She's not comfortable. So I think really I have reframed my own perspective of health over the last five years of it's not about a size or an image. It's about really feeling the best in order to be here and really seeing your your body as an instrument that God can use. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I could not agree with you more. It it really isn't a one size fits all. It is what is my best what is my best self? How do I bounce out of bed and just be so happy for the day because I have a body that works for me? And by the way, sometimes people really have bodies that are very different. Doesn't mean it's not working, but what is the best version for you? Right. Yeah. Right. So here's where I struggle too. And I think everybody can relate to this on some level in some way. We've all had this one thing in our lives that maybe is an addiction, is um, over compulsion. Um, Some people are spenders. Some people uh, struggle with alcohol. Some people are constantly getting into new relationships. Um, Some people struggle with food. In my struggle, with food, I have a very, very vivid memory of being about third grade inside my Catholic lunchroom, looking around and realizing that my, I was as tall as I am now by like the end of fifth grade and probably weighed as much, um, you know, what I needed to weigh by the end of fifth grade as well. I was that kid to grow first. Right. And looked around and thought, I, I'm not like the rest of my peers. Everybody else is small and I'm not small. And so I had this mentality from that day forward. And I think I've thought about it every day since. Okay, well, today's the day that I'm going to start and the rest of my life I'm going to really, you know, be good or get this right. And that always has a yin yang to the flip side of it's not, nobody's perfect 100% of the time, right? And so instead of thinking to myself, okay, well, you don't have to be perfect, right? Like you can make food a joy journey and an adventure. Instead, what my ego comes back with is like, you've never gotten this right. You're never going to get this right. You're bad for not getting this right. And these are the thoughts that play through in my head, which I think everybody has about something. When you haven't gotten it right all these years, how do you talk back to that egoic mind in order to make a change that truly lasts the rest of your lifetime? Okay, so there are a whole bunch of components there. The first one is to recognize that those little voices are your multi-generational voices that are all going, wah, 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 wah. That comes from somewhere. That's not you. That's very seldom you. Now, you have the event in third grade, which I love. If I have a look at that, I would say to you, when did it happen? We know third grade. What was going on for you? We were in that lovely Catholic lunchroom. What did you tell yourself about that? Oh, I'm not small like the others. What did you make it mean? I don't fit in. What did you make it mean about others? They're better than I am. So you've got all of those pieces playing through. What you want to do is say, Where did that come from too? And how does it affect me? When you can see where it came from, if you tell me you have a family history of that or a family history of diabetes or or whatever that is, or pre-diabetes, it tells me that there was an event somewhere that set it off and the sweetness of life wasn't guaranteed. Something cut it off. I can tell you that. Tell me. (laughs) So um, I know that my mom never really felt comfortable in her body. Her mother never really felt comfortable in her body. And neither did her mom. And actually 
because we all kind of have the exact same body type, mm-hmm. you know, me through my great grandmother and my great grandmother passed away very, very young in her forties from a brain aneurysm. And I think that that sparked a lot of other traumas as well of there not being a lot of female love within the family because grandma then just had to step in and be caretaker for all of her siblings at 12 years old. There you go. That's a beautiful piece. So I love that you've done this because I think a lot of people struggle with this. So here's what then happens. We have two kinds of food. One is emotional food and one is physical food. Ideally, you want to get infinite supply of emotional food and a finite supply of physical food. When the emotional food isn't available, the brain gets confused. And now it goes to the physical food and starts consuming infinite amounts of the physical food because the emotional piece hasn't been met. So in your family, when grandma steps in, she's not met. She's carrying it all. And she's she's eating because that's her comfort. And the, the emotional food is not there. And that lack of emotional food is what's probably traveled. So you've now got plenty of physical food, not enough emotional food. For you to put it down, it's to really look at that and say, that was all of you guys. Um, I, I need to be joyful. Yeah. I need to know that my soul is fed. I need to know that I'm well-loved. It has actually nothing to do with the body type. I can't carry this burden for another generation because there have been four generations. Great-grandma, when you died, it, it became a bit of a train wreck. And that train wreck has echoed down. Now you have a great-granddaughter who's doing all of this work. And, yeah, my legacy and gift is I'm doing it differently. Yeah. I'm going to be loved so much emotionally. I'm going to have so much emotional food that the other food is a pleasure and it's no longer the burden. So you shift it. To you, what does that emotional food look like? Uh, it's well, it starts off with a with a very subconscious piece of what I can't take into my soul, I'll take in through my mouth. Okay. So when we eat, it then becomes I know I'm eating and maybe I shouldn't be eating this right now, <clears throat> but it feels good and it allows me to come back into my body and kind of breathe and then I feel good. Um, we find it in all sorts of things. You will also expand your body mass sometimes to include missing members, by the way. And sometimes if there's been a great trauma, I need the weight to stand here, to be able to just be here. So it's what are we telling ourselves? What are those messages that are feeding the need for physical food? Yeah. In fact, it's emotional food that we need. But what is the emotional food that we need? Like, what does that actually look Mm. like in your day? Like, what's emotional nourishment that we can give ourselves? My goodness. Look at your beautiful day. Look at the board behind you. You've really got it together. You've got this amazing podcast. You breathe joy. You breathe transformation. You're looking at the multi-generational patterns and great-grandma's going, Will you look and then see what you don't need to take from me, sweetheart? You're, it's, it's validating self. It's really changing your library of thoughts, feelings, and actions. Instead of saying, I didn't get it right. I've never got it right. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I knew it. I can feel it. My body's telling me I'm stupid. I'm dumb. It's, hey, body, we've done a pretty good job up to now. We're looking at a very different pattern in the family. But look what I did. I've begun to feed you. The podcast feeds the soul. And so I'm feeding that part of you. You and I are going to figure out the physical part, but we're first going to feed the soul. Because, body, once I feed you good stuff and I tell myself all the positive things, I don't think you're going to need as much of that as as we've been giving you. So it's really restocking your library of thoughts, feelings, and actions around you around the family. If you look at grandma, what's the alternative message? Not, hey, there wasn't any emotional food available, so now I'm eating physical food. Thanks, grandma, you really stepped up. Because you stepped up, I have a mom. Because mom was there, here I am. 
And I'm the yeah. latest one. And this is awesome. If you hadn't have stepped up, think of where we'd be now. I'm so grateful. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. You're amazing, Judy. I want to keep going. One thing that Spirit said to say to everybody who's listening is it doesn't just stem from a passing. I'll say that again. It doesn't just stem from a passing. So even though you could be listening to this and saying to yourself, but Julie, you know, um, my great grandparent didn't pass away. My grandparent didn't have to go through that. Sometimes there are family members who are parents who are not emotionally there for their children and that lack of emotional connection, whether they're alive or deceased does not matter. It's still a lack of emotional connection and it can still cause those family patterns. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be a missing. It can even be something like happened to you at school. You may have everybody around and you look at them and go, "Uh oh, I'm different. Clunk. And that starts the whole train because you may be starting that. So, no, it's it's not just a missing member. It may be what's missing to you emotionally. Or you could even have a sibling where the sibling has required a lot of attention. And so what you do or, or something's happened and you look and you go, my mom and dad are really struggling. I'm not going to be a burden to them. I'll feed mm-hmm. my own emotional needs. Only you're not. You're feeding your body needs. Because you're trying to take care of yourself. So the first piece to recognize is, is this emotional food or is this physical food that you need? If it's emotional food, what is the message that I give myself when I eat that? And you want to really pay attention to it. And don't, don't judge it. Don't judge it because it is always a message. It may be, well, when I eat, I feel safe. Don't judge it. Have a look in your family system. That may have come from somebody in the Great Depression who didn't have food. Oh, when I eat, I feel safe. I have a client who had a a parent who was in a particular situation, and she never knew where her next meal was coming from. So she would eat any time she got food and say, oh, I feel safe. See how the two cross wires and met. And so it's when you're giving yourself the food makes me feel safe, makes me feel comfortable, makes me, that's when you know that you're crossing wires with emotional DNA and you want to just gently disentangle those and see what is the emotion at the bottom of that? What is my soul needing? Okay. I want to go deeper. Um, We're going to kind of close up this piece, but we're going to go into another piece. So for everybody who's out there listening, who struggles with food like I do, we are going to go on our food journey in our own lives, a food adventure, and learn to make food joyous and feed what our body needs instead of what our emotional needs are. Make those two separate. I want to go into the money piece because you talked a lot about teaching money DNA. And I want to kind of set this up for you, some things that I've seen within the collective consciousness, because what I believe is just as there are individual patterns that we have to work through, there are also very big collective patterns that we have to work through as well. And if you've kind of followed the start of this century, 2000 forward to where we are today in 2022 and 1900 and the very start of first couple of decades of 1900, we followed some similar threads, but taken out the old patterns where we didn't get into another world war, where We did have the pandemic, but we're working through that in a different way. There is a huge energy within the collective consciousness of the, what was it, 1929 financial collapse. Absolutely. Yeah. You can feel that within humanity. You can feel that within sessions that you're doing. You can kind of read into it within the collective consciousness. You and I are at this great perspective because we've seen the 2008 collapse. We felt the energy of that. I do not feel that as we come into um, you know, 2029 that we're going to repeat a similar pattern, but there is a similar fear here. How are we working through this as a collective? So 
I'm smiling because today I'm teaching on the shift network and I'm teaching meta patterns. And what you're describing is a meta pattern, that very big pattern. Yes, there was a lot of loss. Actually, we did see some of that now in the pandemic. A lot of people lost money. A lot of people felt helpless. But at the same time, a lot of people became entrepreneurs, became innovators, started to do different things. It feels collectively as though there are two pieces. One is we do see what we, the victim piece, and that's a piece we've really got to work with and get beyond. Because for as long as you're a victim, you're stuck. And I know there are really good reasons for being victims, you're still stuck. So you don't want to do that. You want to have a look at what happened in 29, what happened in 2008. How is it different this time? We have learned some things, but also there's a lot more of your work around. There's a lot more of this work around. If people start to recognize they are literally, literally never stuck, they are not stuck. All they've got to do is just look. They'll find the opportunity and they will probably find that this is a pivot up. So we we have a great opportunity coming around where you can actually feel it the way you describe it. And I always go, why are we talking ourselves into a recession? Because we're the ones doing it. Right. And yet there are people going, no, 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 no. And it it really depends on whose um, energy is going to hold bigger sway. If we could stick with, no, we're not. We're doing this differently. Look what we're doing. And we really focus on that. We will not slide into that same piece. And so there's also in this country and something that I think people don't realize is they talk about the American dream being over. It's not. It's not. All we've got to remember is the can-do spirit. And we've got to remember that we know the recipe for being wealthy and abundant. And I would say the biggest piece is quit apologizing for it. If we're a wealthy country, quit apologizing for it. Yes, we can help others. Yes, we can pay it forward. But stop apologizing. The the thing that people most don't understand about money is that it is not a commodity. It is a relationship. And it's one of my favorite subjects in the world to teach. I love money. It is a beautiful friend. It is a kind flow. It's a good disciplinarian. It's a great mentor. But start looking at money as a friend and start noticing all the ways that it really does interact with you. I had, I was teaching on over this weekend and it's little things. So I was teaching over the weekend. I have a thing. I pick up pennies wherever I go. That's my dad. It's gotten God we trust on the one side. He always used to pick those up and he always shows up. So I had that and got a big smile and I've become known for that. People will walk into my event and they all just stand there and I go, what? And they go, your penny's on the floor and it'll be every time. So I have a big money story around that as well. I went for a money walk and on the way back, I picked up a whole lot of money after I'd had a talk to money. Money is a highly interactive flow. And the more you start to interact with it kindly, the better it shows up for you. Love of money is not the root of all evil. Lust of money, maybe. Love of money says, I see you. You take care of a lot. I can take care of you. How are we going to grow? What do we want to do with you? And it also is when you have a lot, what do you want to do with it? Share. So so quit trying to be non-abundant. It doesn't serve anybody. Be okay to have wants and go for them and love money because it will show up for you and it will show up for the world. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I think in my own life, what I've seen and learned from working with the angels is my focus has always been, and this is what I teach all of my students, on the maximum benefit of anybody I'm working with at any time. So if it's my angel Reiki school, making sure that um, we are turning out the best people to be like doing this work. And if it's my angel members that they are getting just everything that I do um, could be at a much, much higher price. 
I just want to give as much as as possible. And as I have lived with that being my truest intention, mm-hmm. money has followed financial abundance of has course it followed. does you're giving it place to flow yeah. <clears throat> you don't have to be the highest marker but be aware if you under mark too because i found that out and i went oh. i went down to houston and um they said to me would you bid on a, a coaching contract and i said sure and with and it's a, a perception thing as well so i bid on the coaching contract and they said oh and I went, I'm sorry, was it too much? And she said, no, it was too little. We thought you were a top-tier coach, but clearly at that price you're not. So be very aware that money is also mm-hmm. perception. You don't walk into a surgeon's office and he says, oh, you've got appendicitis. I'll charge you five bucks to take it out. I'm like, uh-uh, you're not touching me. So be aware and don't undercharge either. Money loves to be valued as much as we do. What I teach people is add the maximum value, but don't be afraid to say, hey, money, come partner with me. What are we charging for this? What does it look like? Because a lot of people will say, not you, but a lot of people will say, this is holy work I should not charge. Well, then you're telling me that a surgeon's work isn't holy and a therapist's work isn't holy. That's not true, but we've segregated pieces off and we forget money loves to come play. And the more that you're going to play with it, like you said, it will keep flowing and it will keep flowing. And you know what you like to do. You love being generous. So it gives you a way to be generous. So your heart and your soul get filled. Well, and this is fascinating because this is something that I've been working through over the last year. And the way that I've seen it is the way that I see my work, even though we're not a nonprofit, churches, I th- I see us as a spiritual mm-hmm. church and churches need yes. money to pay yes. their staff and to run the And to pay their staff beautifully because if you're going to talk about God in abundance, then don't prove otherwise. Right, right. Um, And so you're right. So we are working on, um, we're not going to change the angel membership pricing, but we are changing the angel Reiki school pricing in order to reflect that because it's, it's interesting too. What I've learned is when you're paying the right price for something, as I have gone through programs, you're getting more personalized attention versus having so many people going through for a smaller cost, but not. You're also invested. If you're paying that price, I'm going to get my money's worth out of that price. So when, when I teach at Disney, Disney is a higher price point than my other classes are for a very specific reason. I'm, I, when we tea, when I do the, the events at Disney, it's in the heart of luxury it's um it includes the four day magic ticket so they've got the park ticket as well because we work during the day and we play at night it's yeah. teaching people to stretch and they will say they will come in and say to me you know that's that's more expensive and i go did you have to stretch yes did you do it yes how do you feel about this place that you're in it's gorgeous would you like more of that yes what are you going to do about it Oh, oh, so now it starts to make people stretch and see what they're capable of instead of settling for less. We should never be settling for less. We should be pushing the envelope called life as hard as we can because, again, God did not say get out there and be small. He gave you a body. He gave you a brain. Use it really, really well. I like what you said about stretching because – Every time that I have been asked to stretch myself and go out and take a course or go through somebody else's program that spirit shows me, what it has done is brought returns back to me, just magnified by like the biggest percentage I could never have imagined. And it's not about that. I'm just there for the learning. No, you're invested and you commit. And that's the difference. You know that you're going to bring something back. You're not there to nitpick. You're there to get maximum value. And so the universe goes, well, if that's what you're here for, 
then that's what you should get. And it will keep returning that. Interesting. I just love, I just love being a tool that God can work through. It's just so amazing and magical and you learn so many new things and it's so much fun to be a human on this journey. You know, I'm so glad you said that because so few people say that life is an adventure. It's an adventure, people. Adventures go up, down, up, down, up, down. Just keep navigating. Yes, you got a body, so for goodness sake, keep it in the best shape you can, but be the biggest vessel. On my website, it says, how big are you willing to be? And people look at me and they go, isn't that a little egotistical? And I go, "Uh uh-uh. The day you agree to be the biggest version of yourself is the humblest day of your life. It's the first time that you fully agree to be responsible for the maximum growth of your life, and you're now in service of the universe. I love it. Love it. Well, and it's, what's interesting is as I've gone through this journey of starting the podcast and teaching and getting to work with just so many beautiful souls, it feels like a yin yang to me that that humbleness for me just comes with every step of success that it isn't what I thought it was going to be whatsoever. Like I'm not a different person whatsoever. In fact, every step that I've taken really takes me back to the truest version of myself, which is, uh, and I prayed this when I was young, like in third grade as well. I would pray at night, God, just make me a tool that you can use to work through and I will serve my entire life and just do whatever I can. But it feels good, like that humbleness feels really good to me. Like that's my sweet spot of just, it's not me, give all the glory back. Just be aware of what humbleness is. Sometimes humbleness means you've got to stand in the limelight. And it doesn't always feel very easy. Sometimes that's very scary. So humble doesn't mean, and this is where people get confused, it doesn't mean small and it doesn't mean hiding. But I think what you've hit on, and I think what just about everybody recognizes at some point, when I do the work I do, people will say to me, how did you know what to do? I didn't. I stood there and, and it came through. It's not about me. And I think, I think you get that pretty quickly and pretty early on. If you try to make it about you, it doesn't flow. It's not. It's not about me. It's about the people I'm working with, and it's about the flow that's happening. It is not about me. But then then I can stand very comfortably in that space because in the knowing field, which is probably a little bit of the, also the quantum field, when you're standing in that and you just let it flow, I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is be available. Right. It's so funny that you said that. Um, I in the next room over have my office. I'm kind of like in a closet space right here where I do the podcast and I'm reorganizing the office and I created this wall and spirit said, put those pictures up. Like I have these pictures. Um, one is of my daughter and she's kind of, she's so hysterical. One of the elements of her personality is she most clever little actress, but just like in the cutest way. And so she's almost like acting in this picture. And they said, put that picture up. And so I put it up. And then they had me put another picture up of friends. And they said, this is your wall to remind yourself of who you're serving. And they said, put up because I have a private, like a free Facebook group, you know, for anybody who listens to the podcast, it's called the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe over on Facebook. So they're like, go over there and put a call for people to send you pictures and just write like a letter about how the podcast has touched you. So I'm starting to get those in now and I've been putting them up on this wall. So this wall is all of the people that I'm serving of just their heartfelt messages. Um, So we'll put in the show notes if anybody feels like sending those over so that I can look at your beautiful picture as I create. Um, And that's what Spirit said this wall is about, is about looking at the people that I'm serving as I'm creating, because it feels like I'm 
talking directly to them. So, right. I love that. I love that. I think, and that's, that's, uh, um, it's super important. When I work with a large group, people say, how do you do it? It's simple. I'm with a group of friends. Yeah. So, so it's the same yeah. thing. It's, yeah, I don't feel like I'm here. You're, it's, I'm with a group of friends. Let's play. I, I'm known for that. I always go, okay, let's go play. Yes. All right. We'll end it with this. If somebody is having, you know, money struggles in their life, what is the one tip that you would give them to help them correct that pattern? You want to sit down. You want to ask yourself, what do I tell myself about this? So what do I think? What do I feel? What actions do I take? And then you want to ask yourself two questions. Who else in the family does that? Or is it, did it begin with me? Because they may not have the history. And if it did, what is it that I want to stop right now? And what is it that I want to start? And if I could have one money goal, what would that be? And how am I going to build towards that? Mine was uh, when I moved over here, one day, one day, one day, I'm going to have timeshare at Disney. I will tell you. And so I just, it, it, then there was purpose. So any little bits extra that I got that didn't need to be paid or, or done something with went into that that little place first time I walked in and took the family on a Disney vacation and we walked into that beautiful deluxe Disney suite two bedroom two bathroom was like hold on money and I just made a dream come true so people say yeah what, what about money don't don't not give it a more don't give it too big of a place who do you think created it yeah hundred percent. I love it. Okay. I lied. I have one more question for you. There are people listening to the podcast who are adopted or people who have no like living relatives that give them information about their past. How do they work through these patterns? How do you suggest? So I love that because I have a daughter who's adopted. Um, But here's the deal. You've got all the information you need. All you've got to do is sit down and timeline your life. When you sit down and timeline your life, you're going to see that there are events or patterns that reoccur. Those didn't come from nowhere. You're connecting to your lineage. The other thing that I would say to them is if they want to connect to that lineage uh, just to feel it, is on my website I have two meditations. They're very specially created constellations meditations one is the meditation of the mother the other one is the meditation of the father and they were created um, with me by a grammy award-winning producer and composer who composes specific frequencies and rhythms so i laid down the voice track and he composed what will guide them through and i recently had somebody who said to me i have absolutely no connection to my father also a host zero so I listened to your meditation of the father before the podcast, and I went, okay. And she said, I have a dad. So I would say those two things. You have your lineage. It may not be as obvious as somebody else's, but it's there, and it's beautiful. Just connect to it. Ah, uh, Judy, I love this. Tell everybody where they can get your book. Uh, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, they can get the book there. They can also do, they can go for the meditations to the website. And the events that I do next one is Disney in November, but the events they will also find there. That is Judy Wilkins. So that's Judy, W-I-L-K-I-N-S hyphen smith.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Judy, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed every single minute. Beautiful soul. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. 
We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.